Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. Live and in-person are back, and Vivid Seats is ready to connect fans with their bucket list events. The ticket resale exchange competes in a crowded field by offering a rewards program for fans who purchase tickets to events through the platform. The loyalty network is the result of work overseen by Chief Marketing Officer Tyra Neal, who joined the company in 2021 to build out its marketing function. The team was solid when it came to performance marketing, but it has since expanded to new areas like brand, creative, and influencer. In this episode, Neil talks about how the return to live events has impacted Vivid Seats' business. She also discusses the recent Ticketmaster saga regarding Taylor Swift's upcoming tour and talks about her previous role at D2C watch brand Shinola. I'm Allison Weisbrot, the editor of Campaign US, and you're listening to Campaign Chemistry. Hi, Tyra. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm good, Allison. Good to be here. How are you? Doing well. So I'd love if you could just kick us off with a little elevator pitch, if you will, about Vivid Seats. Tell us about the brand, how you sort of differentiate from other ticket sales platforms and what you're all about. Yeah. Vivid Seats is a ticket marketplace, uh, now 20 years old, in fact, that has really made a name for itself by being one of the easiest ways for fans to discover buy and get rewarded um, so they can get to more live events more often. Uh, One of the unique things about Vivid Seats is I think, you know, we've been chosen as the official ticketing partner by honestly some of the biggest brands in the entertainment industry, Um, ESPN, Bleacher Report, Rolling Stone. So, you know, we have the trust and authority of, you know, some of the biggest music and sports brands behind us. And we've also won a lot of customer service awards for our for our service and our unique ability to kind of help fans buy, navigate, fulfill and get to events. Uh, And a real key differentiator is, you know, we offer tickets across a wide range of events with competitive pricing And uh, unique to us, we have a loyalty program, Vivid Seats Rewards. Awesome. So um, obviously, there's some big names in in ticketing platforms, right? You've got Ticketmaster, you have StubHub. Where does Vivid Seats sort of fit in that competitive set? We are a a secondary ticketing marketplace, right? Ticketmaster operates in in mainly in what we'd call the the primary ticketing space, while you have others in the the secondary ticketing uh, space. But, you know, relative to others in in our sector of the industry, StubHub and others, you know, I think we are unique in prioritizing and prizing the total fan experience. So you have vivid seats. um, And selfishly, I think we have one of the best product experiences, demonstrably one of the best customer experiences after you buy the only the only secondary ticketing platform that rewards you and has a loyalty program for fans uh, to get them to more events more often. And, you know, new for us this year too, we've integrated Vivid Picks, which is a daily fantasy app. Um, And that provides a unique game day experience for a lot of our fans who are sports fans. So, 
I would say if you look at kind of what's out there and, and the spectrum of competitors, we are unique in considering kind of the totality of fans game day or live event going experience and what they're going to want to do down the line, which is repeat and go to more events and make more memories. Mm. Yes. So talk about the rewards program. How does that work? Yeah. So for starters, like I mentioned, we have the only loyalty program in the industry, which is, which is huge in and of itself. We designed that really with the fan in mind. I mean, all of us are fans of some, of something, of some team of artists, some performer, we know some rabid fans out there and we want to make sure that it benefits each and every fan. So Vivid Seats Rewards, essentially, you can earn reward credits to spend on future orders, um, which helps fans get to more events more often. When you buy 10 tickets on our platform, you earn a credit um, or can earn a credit to your account to be used on your 11th order. And for us, whether a fan is attending two events a year with two friends or 20, <laughs> if you're if you're a, a rabid fan, you'll be able to benefit from that Vivid Seats rewards program. Um, there are some, you know, other benefits as well, like, you know, a birthday reward. We have surprise upgrades for select members um, where we'll kind of pluck you out and move you to a better seat. Uh, we have periodic access to exclusive events. So, for example, this year we had a major presence at Lollapalooza along with our partners Rolling Stone and mm. let a lot of fans kind of behind the scenes to, to, to meet their favorite artists and have a, a really interesting experience there. So I think when it comes to rewards, one thing we say often is no one else in our industry, I think, appreciates what it takes to be a real fan. And we know that no one else recognizes that dedication with rewards the way that we do. Awesome. So the ticketing industry has been in the news lately. I'm sure you've seen uh, what happened with Taylor Swift. Uh, her fans are now suing Ticketmaster and uh, Parent Live Nation for anti-competitive practices in the ticket sales for her upcoming tour. The Justice Department has opened a probe into it as well. What is this with all this going on, what does this mean for Vivid Seats? Like, is there sort of an opportunity to showcase the benefits of your platform around this mess? Or like, what do you sort of make of the whole situation? And then where do you see Vivid Seats having an opportunity? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's fascinating. I'm, I am not a Swifty myself, but we count many Swifties uh, among our devoted team members. I think you know, there's no question there are a lot of headlines out there right now r regarding that. Um, I think what's important to take away from that is just how very, very passionate that fan base is. And in general, how eager people are to see their favorite artists live. It's not just her fans, but I think fans in general are showing their passion for live events, the pent up demand to kind of get out and see their bucket list artists. Um, there's such a strong demand for those experiences. And that's honestly, that's why Vivid Seats exists to be a marketplace that delivers a seamless and trusted experience for, for people seeking to go to those in demand events. Um, for us, you know, when you talk about, is there an opportunity um I think it's a moment to continue to highlight how, you know, we provide a differentiated experience within the industry. 
this campaign that we've launched, Real Rewards for Real Fans, it, it highlights our fan focus. And that rewards program is a great example of how we're doing that and kind of how we stand out from from other competitors. Yeah, I know like a, most of the, a big part of the issue is price gouging. Right. And I think a lot of times I think people go on ticketing platforms and they, you know, they buy a ticket for one hundred dollars and all of a sudden it's two hundred dollars and they're not sure where all the fees came in. Like as a, as a more fan focused platform, how do you approach that issue as a marketer? You know, when you talk about prices, we're a marketplace, just like any other marketplace. We don't set the price. It is clear there's a lot of pent up fan demand for Taylor Swift, for example, you know, who hasn't had a a stadium tour in five years. But it's rare, you know, when we see pricing match that kind of demand. There are certainly events like that. Uh, Super Bowl comes to mind. But likewise, there are opportunities for amazing deals on our marketplace as well. So, I think, you know, um, Vivid Seats exists to give consumers more option, aligning their desire with availability. Um, so I think, you know, the way that we offer a, a really extensive breadth and depth of ticket listings at generally a very competitive value, value on the front end when you're buying a ticket and value on the back end when you're redeeming kind of our rewards um, is, is something that we strive to uphold. Mm. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about you. You have been a marketer across a bunch of different, uh, sectors, G to C beauty retail. What made you want to join Vivid Seats in 2021? It was kind of coming off the cusp of the pandemic live events were maybe starting to come back. Like what sort of drew you to this position? Yeah, I think, you know, when I contemplated joining Vivid Seats in the in the summer of 21, it felt like, you know, the end of the pandemic was in our sights. Vaccines had just been rolled out. I, along with many others, anticipated kind of the tailwind coming to this this industry, which I think was represented a really exciting opportunity for me. And as I said before, we are all fans of something, right? Everyone can relate to this category. For me, I'm a huge sports fan. My husband has worked in sports media for 20 years. It's on our bucket list to kind of get to every baseball ballpark in the nation, right? So knowing what it's like to be a true fan, knowing what it's like to want to check items off your bucket list and see your teams kind of achieve something for the first time ever, that's really poignant to me. I think that represents um, a really interesting opportunity for fan connection and for brand marketing. And what was immediately interesting to me about Vivid Seats is I had just come from a role on a brand that I would say was a beloved brand, a D2C darling, one where there's a very passionate fan base and a lot of loyal customers And Vivid Seats has become kind of like a quiet juggernaut through a lot of performance marketing and not necessarily um, what I'd call prowess on the brand marketing side. But there's an amazing connection there with fans. So, you know, I think there is a recognition at Vivid Seats that kind of what got us here won't get us there. And that to me also presented a really exciting opportunity to join. Yeah. So talk about that. When you joined, what were you hoping to accomplish and what do you feel like you've you've accomplished in your first year? Yeah. I mean, I think it's been honestly just an incredible year to have a front row seat to to the evolving 
um, consumer participation in live events, um, to witness that kind of firsthand energy of fans connecting with each other as we come out of the pandemic. It's just really interesting shifts in the way that people think about and consume and go to live events. For me and what I wanted to achieve, I I alluded to, you know, Vivid Seats has always been among the very best at performance marketing, including paid search um, as, as one of our biggest channels. When consumers register their demand for an event, as they do very often explicitly, we are there to highlight our offering. Um, but I think lately, there are other elements to the way that consumers um, have come to experience this category and other things that matter when they're making their choices. So, you know, during my time here, I think, you know, I've sought to kind of round out our marketing toolkit by recognizing what I would say are additional shopping modalities and emerging consumer motivations and kind of growing the associated channels that go along with that, like brand marketing, including video, social media, influencer, et cetera, as well as an increasing emphasis on you know, customer lifetime value and that lifetime journey, including you know, doing things like implementing a CDP to better capture consumer preferences and drive repeat purchases. Those are all you know, things that, uh, you know, I've had the privilege to to implement and do in in my first year here. And, um, and it's been an exciting time. Yeah. So as you shift um, or invest more in brand marketing, Mm -hmm. talk about some of the um, media channels you're looking at, and then also maybe some of the work you've released in the past year or few months that you're particularly proud of. Yeah, as I, I, I kind of mentioned some of those new and emerging channels. You know, when I when I came to Vivid Seats, there was a whole side of the organization that didn't really exist, right? Um, performance marketing, as I indicated, it was long established, a well-oiled machine, and then really either building out or beefing up the entire rest of the organization. So that includes CRM and lifecycle marketing, but also brand marketing, um, reputation, influencer, social, um, creative. We didn't, we didn't have a creative marketing function embedded within Vivid Seats Marketing. So building all of that up. And then as far as kind of the work we've done on those fronts, it has been an interesting evolution. You know, when, as I alluded to, when I came in, it felt like there was just going to be this burst through the gates moment where people were excited to get back to live events and people were going to kind of, you know, stampede in and and we were all going to have this hot back summer and go see all the things we wanted to see. And with the follow-on variants, Delta and Omicron, that turned out to be not exactly the case. And that impacted, you know, the kind of the initial work that we did and that initial reception. Like um, the first work I did here um, had that kind of sentiment in mind that people were going to be ebullient and out there and kind of doing what they loved. And it turns out, um, that really it was more of people coming back at their own pace and their own level of comfortability. Um, and if you think about that, that really impacts the creative and the messaging that you put out there. So, you know, we subsequently did a lot of work on what I'll call kind of round two, to dig deeper into consumer motivations, one, we did a, a huge, large-scale customer segmentation to kind of understand 
how all customers are not created equal, what's unique about their motivations, um, and that rolled forward into the messaging, and as well as kind of our targeting. You know, when I say that not every everybody has a different level of comfortability, that has implications for targeting too, and who mm. you're getting to, and the most um, the most frequent goers, the most high value audiences, and I, I think that's what we've done kind of done right with round two creative and round two media. Yeah, that makes sense. So it seems like you've um, grown the marketing department a lot since you've been there. Is the, is Vivid Seats like investing a lot in an internal marketing team? How do you, how is that broader strategy changing? And then where do like agencies and third-party partners come in? Yeah, we have um, a large marketing team that again, represents kind of all those facets from performance marketing to life cycle to brand and, and creative. Um, and I'm really honestly, we have grown the team a, a ton during the time that I've been here. And not just because one, we were building back out of COVID where live events was, you know, essentially stopped. Um, so we had, you know, and we were on a, on a skeleton crew, we, we built back out of that as well as building additional functions that didn't exist before, have never existed before. So I'm proud of that and the team that we've built. And I'm honestly even more proud of how we've gelled across the functions. I think, you know, brand and performance marketing, learning to talk to each other um, is a key enabler of, of great initiatives and great campaigns. Um, but then we also have augmented those you know, internal capabilities with agencies where we need to. And I'm a big proponent of that kind of hybrid strategy. I think, you know, agencies help you lift your head up, see outside perspectives, make sure you're not looking at your own category um, through rose-colored glasses, right? And bring bring a fresh perspective and, and breakthrough ideas. And then our internal teams, um, are subject matter experts. They can move really quickly. They can be prolific in their creation. Um, so I think combining the both of those is generally what gets you the best result. How do you get your brand and performance teams to talk to each other? I feel like this is something all marketers, all agencies are always trying to figure out. Uh, <laughs> it's not, it's not always easy. Um, you know, I think just, just, one, building the teams. Um, so we had to have people in place to talk to each other, first of all, and, and creating kind of role clarity and role recognition across the teams is important. And meeting regularly and reinforcing kind of synchronicity of mindset. And I, I find that I actually personally am the one that tries to share across how these things can talk to each other. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of a recent example in, in weeks past where, you know, in paid search, for example, or performance marketing, a lot of what they do is kind of throwing a lot of RTBs into the pot and um, the, the platforms that are out there, we all know what they are, will optimize that to the consumer, right? So, you know, if you have a hundred things to tell a consumer, and you, and you kind of throw them all into your campaign, performance marketing is going to surface some of the most poignant and most resonant reasons to believe. Those are learnings that we should be taking back to the brand side, like um, 
if these things are working and automatically being surfaced on the performance marketing side, that likely means they are very resonant to the consumer in ways that we might not know enough about or haven't anticipated. And they have implication for our broader brand messaging. So I think just, you know, my, I, I view my role there as trying to kind of connect the dots and ferry insights back and forth between both teams to make their works better. Mm. So I want to um, follow up on just the live events industry in general. Um, obviously, you know, 2020, there was nothing like you were explaining before 2021. People were a little more cautious than you expected. What are you seeing now and how is that sort of informing um your marketing strategy and you know is the is the pending recession influencing these these trends at all yeah i think um when i say more cautious than i expected it, it's actually been um a fairly robust demand coming out of covid i think it's just more the 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 way that people re-entered the category and kind of the sentiment that they feel um even before the pandemic, you know, we've noticed, and I think we've all as marketers have noticed a secular trend of consumer spending from products to experiences. I think that's been true for many years where, you know, and we're, you know, entering the holiday season, I think it's especially top of mind. Like people just don't want more stuff, more hollow gifts, more things they have to deal with later. Um, and essentially, it's it's been a trend to give experiences, which I think are, you know, more memorable and, and, and stick with the recipients for longer. So that's been true for a while. And then I think coming out of COVID, that just mixed up with pent up demand for, for live events. So, you know, we talked to consumers, for example, in the summer, and over 40% of them were really excited to undertake more in-person activities than ever before. A fair amount of them said they were even more determined to kind of check items off their bucket list than ever before. So there's just a like an innate human drive for people to seek connection, I think, coming out of a period like that. Um, and we see fulfillment of that drive happen through live experiences. And, and we can see it kind of in our purchasing patterns. Um, you know, we see that people are, for example, traveling further to go to events, they're going in larger groups. Um, and I think that just really speaks to this meaningful human connection. Um, you know, people, uh, are, are, are screen fatigued. They're tired of being on zoom for three plus years live events is one of the only spaces where you're actually fully immersed in the action around you. You're really paying attention to what's in front of you. You're really feeling the camaraderie with people around you. So I think, um, you know, that's been a trend we see coming out of COVID is that, is that people wanting that fully immersive and connected experience. Yeah. Is there anything else that's different about the way consumers approach live events? Like you were mentioning, they're willing to travel farther, bigger groups, like, what else is different than the 2019 sort of world? I think those are the main differences that we see. Um, again, people just more motivated to kind of check off their bucket list, willing to do what it takes, willing, uh, willing and wanting to involve the people around them. And because people are, again, have this, have this backlog of events they want to get to, I think that's where you know, they're seeking benefits beyond the transaction. So 
you know, Vivid Seats Rewards, for example, comes into play there. If you have a backlog of events that you're trying to check off, it becomes important to you that you're relying on both a seamless and trusted provider of tickets, but also that, uh, you know, you're going to embark on checking off a lot of events. You want a platform that's going to reward you for that event going behavior. And so, you know, those kinds of considerations, I think, have become more important to fans now. Yeah. So um, prior to joining Vivid Seats, you were at Shinola, the D2C watch and leather goods and other things brand. Like you said, had a massive cult following, but a few years before you joined, the brand was actually fined by the FTC for making unqualified claims about being built in America um, despite using foreign parts. What was it like joining the company after something like that? And what did you learn from navigating that that you take to your job now? It is an interesting, you know, um, Shinola is, is an amazing brand. I, as you've mentioned, wasn't a, around for that FTC ruling, but has always, I think it was an interesting interpretation of that ruling. And of, and of course, Shinola was born with the idea at its purpose to really, um, you know, empower kind of the Detroit workforce and bring it to the industry of, of watch manufacturing. So, you know, there are, there are parts in Shinola watches, um, that are, um, sourced externally. Um, for example, if you think of automatic watches, which are a really high end watch, a lot of those movements are Swiss, Swiss movements, but all of the watches are assembled in Detroit and in in the Detroit factory. So that's something that we remained really proud of even though, you know, the, the, the claim, I guess, um, had to go by the wayside, it's still true that those watches are assembled in Detroit. It's a, you know, largely Detroit workforce. And those are things that we continue to be proud of. And the loyal fan base continued to be proud of those as well. I think what's interesting to me about Shinola is, and all of the places where I worked before, um, Though they were varied, you know, from established brands like Walmart or Estee Lauder or Luxottica to startup brands like Shinola, um, and they ranged from everyday consumer products to luxury, I think I've been able to pluck out lessons from each one of those brands that are applicable now to my role at Vivid Seats and in this very unique category. So talk about that. What have you learned? I mean, you, you're a very well-rounded marketer. You've done a lot of different categories. Like what's sort of a common thread that you've pulled across your career? You know, I think, um, again, it, it's, it has been a varied career across a lot of different industries, but things that I've been able to take with me into this role, you know, when you think about mass marketing, nearly all consumers participate in live events in some form or fashion. And so my experience kind of on the mass marketing side aids in thinking about, you know, a wide ranging heterogeneous, you know, customer base and how to segment that consumer base and and reach them. Um, You know, I also have worked in, you know, what I'll call high order value, longer purchase cycle categories, which is also helpful at Vivid Seats because it is um, you think about what people are spending here to go to the events they love, they're they're often shelling out quite a bit. There's um, there's a consideration there, um, and they don't go every day, so it's an important occasion for them. So that has been useful for me to have that kind of backdrop. And then I think, 
you know, as I contemplate my experience in really consumer driven categories like beauty, I'm pretty lucky to have a deep well of experience in consumer engagement and emerging channels. And I think that has helped as we've sought to kind of round out our brand marketing practice at Vivid Seats. So as you kind of look to next year, what are you most excited about? What are you most focused on for the new year? I think it's exciting to see how this, you know, real rewards for real fans campaign is received and, um, and start to see kind of, you know, initial results behind that. Um, We're focused on understanding how the interplay between brand marketing and performance marketing, how one can make the other better, how brand marketing can, again, um, fulfill and propel um, consumers as they shop the category differently. So, you know, as consumers evolve, we evolve to meet them where they are and their ways of shopping. And I think, you know, embarking on a more fully rounded, full funnel marketing program is providing learnings, learnings about consumers and, and you know, and, um, and what they value there and about ourselves and our messaging and what's resonant with them. So I'm excited about that. Um, and then seeing kind of the success of, of our rewards program and our loyalty efforts come to life. Um, you know, we're early on a journey here, but we're seeing really encouraging signs. Our customer repeat rates are trending higher across event categories. And I think that's some indication of traction with our brand and loyalty efforts. Awesome. And then in terms of the live events industry, are you expecting sort of like a full, are are we already at a full return to normal or what do you expect to see next year, even more demand? Or are people sort of like, you know, we got out there in 22 and now we can chill a little bit. (laughs) What's the sentiment? I know because we've talked to consumers that there are still many who have unfulfilled events kind of in in their backlog. Um, You know, I, I, no one has a a crystal ball, of course, to know what demand is going to look like in the year to come. Certainly, certainly again, talking from consumers, we, we know there's desire still left to fulfill and we have not yet seen, I think, strong inflationary pressures on the category, which again, doesn't mean that it's immune to that kind of pressure on discretionary spend. But I think, at least from the consumer perspective, we see a lot of people saying they they still want to get out and see their favorite artists and teams. So I think that's a trend that's just going to continue. Awesome. Well, Tyra, thank you so much for your time. This was super interesting and thanks for doing it. I appreciate it, Allison. Thanks for having me. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Campaign Chemistry on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.